Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome back to another episode of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Sees along with my handsome and strong eight on the Enneagram co-host, Josh Reich. Josh, how are you doing today? You feeling powerful? I am, man. How are you? You're back back home in the home studio and done with vacation. You yeah. just keep traveling around. Well, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of a mobile worker, a nomad, if you will, hunter and gatherer. <laughs> uh, now, we had a great time. We were doing um, another uh, Soul Care Institute with Crosspoint Ministry, Rich Plass and Jim Cofield and Cliff Roth and Sally Roth and a uh, great time uh, for Steph and I to get away. We did our fifth. They've added a seventh one. Um, so we'll have two more to go to, which we're thrilled about. It's a great opportunity really help us grow in our yeah. own self-leadership and how to work with the leaders that we've been entrusted with. So yeah, glad to be back at the home studio and ready to go. Awesome, man. Well, it's, uh, it's good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you as well. We, we record these, uh, over zoom so we can see, uh, each other. And we tried it like when I was in a different office, I didn't have very good internet. So we'd have to turn the screen off and just wasn't as powerful. <laughs> as it is right now, be able to see uh, my friend Josh uh, up close and personal, thousands of miles away, but right in front of my yeah, face. In the middle awesome. of the desert. In the middle of the so desert. So what are we talking about today, Casey? Today we're going to talk about hiring people, hiring, growing your team strategically. A lot of times people uh, don't really have a very good hiring process, both as a coach and consultant. I've worked with business owners and church leaders on developing hiring processes and that's the quickest way to destroy an organization is to uh, hire the wrong person. It's very costly um, in multiple ways. And so today, though, we want to focus on some just basic tips, um, especially if you're a church planter or you don't have much experience in that or even a business owner and you're, you realize you need to grow um, you know, along the way. And so I wanted to just kind of share from my experience and let Josh chime in on on his um, and, and really go 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 directly into that well and now's a great time because places are hiring uh-huh there are there are churches there are organizations that are hiring it may be surprising in the midst of a pandemic but places are hiring and if you have the the financial capacity right now to hire it's a great time uh to be able to hire great people yeah a lot of people are looking and um you know and, and the challenge is you know I, i've been guilty of finding a great person and then creating a role for them. And I think depending on if you're in a financial situation and you're able to do that, that's great. Um, but, but one of the first things I would do first and foremost is identify what roles need to be filled. Yeah. Um, for someone who's, you know, a church plant or small business owner. Um, the first thing I recommend doing is creating a functional accountability chart with each responsibility, each hat that you're wearing or other people are wearing and, and put down who's responsible for what or what should be getting done is not getting done. Uh, and then think from a strategic perspective of, okay, what, what is that role and, and what, is that, what does it look like? What does success look like in that role? For instance, I'm working with a client right now and they need an administrator, but ideally their administrator will also be gifted bookkeeper because mm -hmm. they're not really in a position yet to hire both out, but there's not enough work just for admin or bookkeeping, but they could offer a really great part-time position for administrative and bookkeeping services. 
help. Well, and so, and what's important is, you know, we talked last week about the future, uh, you know, future businesses, future church, you know, the digital church, digital businesses. And so as you're thinking about this, you also have to be thinking through what, what does my church, what does my organization look like in this new world? Right. Um, you know, the, the staff members that maybe you would have hired a year ago are not the staff members that you want to hire today especially if the stats are correct that more and more churches are going to be uh, putting more dollars into digital staff and digital church. Uh, I would assume that businesses will be doing much of the same um, in its own way. And so there needs to be a digital component to a lot of what you're doing. Uh, so you, your ideal staffing plan uh, that you had a year ago uh, may be obsolete now. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's why it goes to like, what does my organization need now? Um, you know, I mean, for a lot of large churches that were, you know, maybe needing to grow and have another children's minister or something like that, you may look now getting a children's minister who's good at creating online content as well and yep. understands basic video and understands how to encourage and empower parents to do ministry at home. And so those are all key pieces. And, and, and I really start with the organization and say, what does the organization need? And then what would ideal outcomes be in this position? Uh, I like using the phrase position focus sheet even more than a job description. Job description gives you an overall summary, which is fine. But beyond that, I, I go through what qualities are we looking for? What character qualities are we looking for? And then and then talking about here's responsibilities. This is what you're responsible to to achieve. And then through the process of, of the hiring process and interview process, you're able to, to define what winning looks like in that position, which is key. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think... What one of the things, not only with need, is I love to ask, what are we missing? Yeah, that's you great. Know, and great one question. of the things that, that I think a lot of leaders overlook is they overlook what they're missing, not only in terms of experience or gifts or talents, however you want to word it, but they also overlook what they're missing in terms of personality. Right. So I remember when we, did a, we started a hiring process two and a half years ago for a worship pastor, and I looked at the staff that I had and realized we didn't have a feeler on our team, right? We didn't have anybody who was an Enneagram two, three, or four. And so when we set out uh, to find a worship pastor, we said, we need to find somebody who is a two, three, or four. Yeah. Um, they will rise to the top because we are missing that as a team, as an organization. And, it, you know, that I don't know what we would have done if some high quality, you know, five would have come along, you know, on the Enneagram, but we decided we needed an extroverted two, three, or four. Yeah, because um, that was what we needed. And we got that specific um, as we were going through the hiring process. And I think by doing that at the very beginning, it actually kept us uh, from getting enamored by uh, some other candidates because we said, no, 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 we decided we need this. And so I think it's important because you know, one of the things I see churches do is they don't do enough pre-work right. on the hiring. And then they get stuck absolutely, <laughs> with the wrong person. Yeah, because it's, it's even more difficult for a church to fire somebody, right? Yes. Because, hey, we're sorry, Bob. I know you love Bob. Bob was really gifted at singing, but he didn't offer leadership skills here. To well, because churches we are, are relational. Yeah. They're relational with people. And, and here's the thing. When you hire somebody who doesn't, uh, who doesn't do their job correctly, the people in your church don't really see that. They nope. don't as long as they do a good job that. on Sunday, right? They, yep. they don't make their life any more inconvenient. Yep. They don't understand. And then all of yep. a sudden people start saying they like somebody that they didn't ever act like they liked, you know, just because yep. they don't like change. Right. And so 
doing more of the work up front is key. Defining what the job is. And even like you said, the who. I usually, when I do a hiring process for an organization, I begin with a disk analysis, a disk assessment. Because a high I would fill a lot of the gap, a higher D. And then what I do is I ask the, the primary uh, the direct reports of that position to do a disc assessment because I can tell them in what ways they're going to want to murder each other. Um, from there, I then go to an Enneagram, especially in a highly relational organization, to help them understand how to better relate with, with each other. Um, so I, I definitely, uh, one of the, the next things I would recommend is, is after defining the role, I would have a multi-step process to assess how people are, what people think about the position, why they do what they do, scenario-based questions. Um, so what I typically do is uh, like I'll post on Indeed or something. Uh, I'll get applicants that come in to meet some base qualifications. I'll invite them to the first application. From there, I usually take them to a personality assessment of some type. Then we go to a second application. Then we move to the first phone interview. Um, I think a lot of times because we're in a hurry or reactive in our hiring strategy, we rush. Um, and if someone presents well up front, we don't take enough time to really check references and to talk with people and to see um, what, um, you know, what the pros and cons are of working with this individual. And that's something that I, 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 I see people rush that all the time and then they end up with a very expensive regret. Well, and you said something interesting, you do a phone interview. Yep. So do you think it's more important, because I've heard people debate whether or not you should start with the phone versus face-to-face -face or a Zoom because you can um, feel drawn to somebody or repelled by somebody by seeing them. Yep. Which I think is really interesting. It, yeah. it, the first time I heard that, I thought, well, that sounds crazy, but it's true. You know, if you, you know, I'll go back to the worship leader example. If you hire a worship leader and you watch a video of them hammered with somebody or repelled by somebody just off of that video, and that may not have anything to do with the quality of that person. I start with the phone to keep it as simple as possible. One, I, I create scenario-based questions that they go through and how they interact on email. So how, how do I experience them digitally? And then how do I experience them? You know, do they show up on time? Do they, how do they answer the phone? What answers do they have? And then I'll go more visual. Um, because it, one of the things I look for in most of my hires is consistency. Right. Because we've made I, I've made bad hires before that had a really strong first interview. The second interview wasn't as great and we paid for it. Um, and so this is a passionate. I mean, I think the way that that pastors on board elders needs to have a process, uh, needs to have interviews, needs to have coordination. Um, I think overall, because you can ruin an organization with bad placement of people. They might be great people even, but it may not be a good fit for various reasons. So identify what you need, have a clear process. Any process I would argue is better than none. Um, and, and, and stick to the process. Your process will help you, especially if you're pastoring or let's say you're trying to hire someone. Um, you know, I, I, one of my clients I'm working with right now had opened up a position online that someone else in their staff in a different area wanted to work with or work for would have made it very awkward for them if they didn't have a process. So what they're able to do now is say, well, great, go through the process and we'll match you up against other people that are coming in for it. Hey, you know what? This experience isn't, isn't as profound as what we're looking for in this one. And so, sorry, that's not going to be a fit, but the process helps offer some buffer because I mean, you can say, Hey, we're looking for a new children's minister and you have three ladies in the church that the one guy that sign up for it and they think they should be a shoo-in because they're there. If you have no process and it feels very subjective. If you have an objective process that you go through and say, we, we have to find, of course, we all want the best fit for our church. 
and we think this candidate's going to be the best fit moving forward. That helps um, immensely having a good process. Well, and I would say, I mean, every leader has a story when they ignored their process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned having an elder process. You know, we had a process where, um, and I didn't make someone go through it, and we yep. paid. Yep. We paid for it. And it's interesting, too, because I think, um, I think most pastors don't think hiring it matters as much. Yeah as business leaders do business leaders see you know the value in it a little bit more right but it was interesting a few years ago i read this really great book called it's not how or the what but the who and the author said that most companies the people spend two percent of their time recruiting and hiring and then 75 percent of their time managing those recruiting and hiring mistakes yep <laughs> which was startling uh to me to read that and and so when you think about um why people make mistakes, you know, besides not having a process, um, besides just uh, speeding things up or just hiring the person right in front of them, you know, what are some of the other reasons that get people into hiring mistakes? Uh, part of the hiring mistakes is, mistake is a leader not understanding themselves, right? They have an idealized vision of their own leadership on how people are going to experience them or participate with them. And and the person might be a great candidate, but not a good can candidate to work with them. And mm -hmm. unless the candidate, unless the leader's position is negotiable, then I, I would hire <laughs> with that in mind, you know? And, yeah. and I think there's times where you need to, to use an outsourced firm and a hiring firm, or that's why people hire me to consult to come in. I know there's some headhunting, you know, groups that do that as well. I think it's just an important thing to realize that, hey, if, if you're not sure and you don't know and you don't want to read and learn about it, then it might be, uh, important for you to uh, to hire, you know, to invest that money and bring someone who knows what they're doing to do yeah. it. Well, and I think pastors, you know, I'm not sure you can speak to business leaders, but I think pastors, one of the things that I hear them do is they'll say something like, well, this just felt right. Yep. You know, I just had a good feeling about this person. And that, and that feeling can turn to a really bad feeling very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I could, uh, I could attest to that. Yep. I can attest to, uh, you know, this feeling, it just felt, felt good, but it doesn't really matter uh, how it felt. Well, there's something like if you get a highly, a high competent type candidate, getting them to want to work with you is part of the challenge. And you have to remember like, Hey, this isn't just dating. It's more like a marriage. It can have those kind of devastating implications if you get the wrong person on the bus. Um, well, yeah, because you just think about the loss of, revenue, the loss of work, the amount of stress and time that you spend thinking about a bad hire. Right. You know, and it just becomes, it just becomes a huge nightmare. Right. So how do you onboard somebody well? Um, how do I onboard you hire someone somebody, well? you, you get them there, you know, you've got the right person. How, how do you bring them in? I think if you don't have core values in place and, and things like that, then you're going to have a real hard time. Uh, you know, so, you know, cause really what you want to do is you want to enculturate people into your context, right? So, Hey, here, here's your job here. Here's what it's going to look like. Here are your rhythms. Here are the tools you need to do that. Um, what I usually like to do is create a list of people that, you know, the direct report create like a little document of who's who, um, do some int formal introductions, but also just give them some resources to refer to, to study. Um, any key policies or procedures, you know, a lot of organizations have some policies and procedures, 
but I would highlight the ones that really stand out and matter. And that's where core values can really integrate well. Like, hey, due to our core value of team first, it's really important that we're on time to meetings or that we, you know, communicate clearly about things along the way. That's that's what I would that's what I would really think through when um, when working through issues like that. No, absolutely. And I think one of the things that I've seen churches do is they just miss how important onboarding is, even yeah. not just with employees, but onboarding volunteers. Right. What that well, first experience is like, those first hours, those first days uh, really set the tone yeah. for, for what it's like to be an employee there and, and how that person will function on the team. Yep. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's absolutely the key along the way, right? Where you, you have to figure out um, you know, how, how, how do I want them to experience coming onto the team? What information are they going to need? How are we going to intentionally bring them to a place of, of competency? And, uh, you know, cause I was talking to someone recently, I said, Hey, how do you, how do you onboard a waiter at your restaurant? And they said, well, first of all, I just have them tell me and then I follow them and then I have them work with another person to, to catch some new things. And then I have that person work with them and then I liberate them to go do it. Right. Um, I'd also have touch points. I wouldn't wait 90 days to do a feedback loop. The first month I would meet weekly with them. Hey, what's been working? What's confusing? What don't you understand? Outside of just like a staff meeting. Like I wouldn't, as a leader, I mean, it was just 30 minute touch to touch base, right? Accessibility is going to be key early on because a lot of times I, I see leaders who don't want to be assertive or don't want to communicate corrective um, communication. So they just get frustrated with how things are being done, but don't ever address it, right? That's on the leader. That's not on the hiree. Right. And so I, I would I would rather invest more intentionally up front with palatable bites. I'm working with someone that's new to my team right now that identifies as a strong six on the Enneagram. They're loyal. They'll be persistent, but they also can get overwhelmed if I just throw 85 different things at one time. And so I've learned working you know, with people of different personality type that I'm going to do a little bit at a time, but a little bit more frequently. And so well, and I think that what you said about getting feedback is so important because I think too many leaders waste um, the fact that they have fresh eyes now yep. in their organization, in their church, and they miss what that person is seeing. You, you know, it's like the longer you live in your house, you know, the less you're annoyed about something. Right. You know, it just becomes normalized. And then someone else comes in and they're like, why do you have that picture there? Like, why, why is your living room set up the way that it is? And, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah. You know, and, and so I, I think especially especially in churches, but also in organizations to say, okay, like what, what doesn't make sense? Like what things are just not clear to you? Yeah. Um, you know, tell us the things that you're seeing right now. Uh, don't waste that. I mean, if you hire somebody new, that is such a gift to have fresh eyes. No. And that, and that's the key, man, is, is, is hiring, keeping people. I, I put the onus on leaders, right? And part of leadership is owning when we make mistakes um, but we, we have a tendency to keep perpetuating. A lot of leaders either hold on way too long to tasks that they need to be delegating and, and liberating other people to do, or they, they abdicate the roles and, all right, go run with it, right? And so then there's no feedback or clarity or direction, and that, that, that's going to cause problems as well. And so yeah. really, the, the more work you do up front to prepare, the slower you go in interviewing, the, the larger the role in the organization, the slower you need to go. On the interview process, um, and and really, uh, I mean, I, I took this from a Dave Ramsey book a long time ago, but basically, he said they would do multiple in-person interviews in different contexts. And I think mm -hmm. that's very yeah. smart, 
and he yeah, would I've do heard his, the lengthy he would have, talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would have his wife go because she would have a gut response uh, and give additional feedback on on what what he sees. Uh, and so I, I think you know part of that is okay. Yeah, somewhat we can do some trial and error, but what I would say is on especially like support hires, doing ninety degree ninety day hire mutual ninety ninety day and give as much feedback as possible and be prepared for both parties to say, all right, this isn't going to work. Um, you know, on a larger staff hire for a church, then I would be far more cautious in doing that. I would take time and be thoughtful about the questions you ask their references. Um, because if someone agrees to be a reference, they're agreeing, like, I'm going to say nice stuff about a person, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, one question I like to ask, especially when you do more of a character analysis is, you know, what's one way that you've seen this individual, uh, change for the better most recently. Mm. Um, question. Because then if they're like, well, I haven't really, you know, we haven't talked much lately, blah, blah, blah. Then you realize, okay, this information I'm getting is somewhat dated and nostalgic and it's going to be, it's going to be edited differently. Mm. You know, Bob's really worked on uh, his communication skills, blah, 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 you know, et cetera. And then go from there. So th th those are just little ways you can think through and asking great questions and, and putting all the information together, get more eyes on it, uh, have people that are going to be directly working with them, think through scenario-based interviews. So there's a lot you can do. If, if you don't take away anything else from today's episode is this, when you're hiring a person, be clear on the role, clear on the expectations, be clear on the type of person you need to fill that role, personality type, um, and then be intentional on offering them a great onboarding experience. Any last thoughts, Josh? Yeah, I would say, you know, when you hire somebody that you think is a star from somewhere else, find out why they were a star at that place. Yeah. You, you know, because too often I've seen people hire somebody that they, that, that crushed it somewhere else. They were a great student pastor. They were a great, whatever, you know, at, at this last church, this last company, but what made them a star, you need to make sure that you have the exact same thing set up to make them a star at your place. And so, and context really matters, you know, in terms of not just the people on the team, but the culture of the city, um, the culture of the church, you know, just because like I've watched here in Arizona, Arizona has like every other state and Tucson has a unique culture. And so just because somebody was successful in Alabama as a pastor does not mean that they'll be successful in this culture, in this context. And so right. I think especially churches really underestimate that. They really underestimate the impact of somebody's context where they're coming from and the context that they're coming to. And so you really need to do a deep dive into that. Um, what made somebody successful? Because I've watched student pastors, for example, who were highly successful because they had an unbelievable admin at right. their last church. Yep. And then they just flame out at this new church. Yep. And so you need to, because most of us don't understand what made us successful somewhere. So we can't articulate to a new church or company. I was successful here because I had X, Y, and Z on my team, or I was allowed to work from home half the time or, you know, so you have to find that stuff out yep. about the person so that they'll be the star at your place. Like they were at the last place. That's great feedback. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I know we're going to keep talking about some of this stuff because it's important. I think next, next episode, we'll spend some time how to interview the organization you're interviewing with. Uh, but until that next time, we are Josh and Casey, and you're listening to Leadership Conversations. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.